the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program Crosswalk with Gino Geraci. It is, of course, the program where we typically take your calls and answer your questions about God, the historical Jesus, about the Bible, about worldviews, and contemporary cultural issues. But from time to time, we have authors, artists, guests who are making a difference in the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. Joining me is, well, Deb Flora, who is also United States Senate uh, Senate candidate for the in the state of Colorado. She's got a documentary coming out called Whose Children Are They? Exposing the Hidden Agenda in America's Schools in Select Theaters, March 14th only. Deb Flora, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Gina. It's so great to be here, and I just appreciate your helping get the word out about um, about this film that we've been working on. It's a two-year labor of love or a little bit of outrage mixed in with it also. Right, love um, and outrage. Yes, indeed. Yes, well, indeed. You and, know, it, it seems crazy to have to ask you the obvious question. The obvious question is about parental rights and mm-hmm. and the the reality uh, that this is even an issue, that the very fact that you have to make this documentary is a yes. chilling commentary on on the state of our culture. So obviously, just give us a little idea of, of what pushed you over the edge and said, I have to do this. I have to do this project. <laughs> Absolutely, Gina. Well, we've talked about before, I started Parents United America uh, probably about three and a half years ago when they pushed comprehensive sex ed through on the last day at the state legislature in Colorado, despite hundreds of parents showing up to testify against it. And they just didn't listen. I mean, there was no deference to the voices of parents. So then I introduced sex ed transparency legislation because I was basically saying, you know what, if you are going to force this, then let us see what you're teaching our kids. Of course, it went to the kill committee. So what I realized was, This movement is going to have to happen from the bottom up, which is the parents. We're not the bottom, but we're the grassroots. And in our own school district, Douglas County, you know, we were being shut out about CRT teaching and parents were called dissenters. So being both a filmmaker, a parent, someone who founded this nonprofit to advocate and be activated for parents, I realized that the very best thing that my husband and I could do, because we have our own production company, is drag it all into the light. Mm -hmm. Because the very things that the unions, the, uh, you know, the special interest indoctrination groups, groups like Planned Parenthood, don't want us to see is exactly what we need to see. So this is a comprehensive expose. And really, the goal is to fan this flame of this movement into something that transforms our education system for generations to come, and most of all, protects the innocence of our children. Now, I know that there are several theaters that's, that have agreed to, um, to to show this film here in, mm-hmm. in the front range of Colorado. One of the things that I found really interesting was how many other cities 
and states around the country have picked up whose children are they. And uh, are are you a little bit uh, amazed at the response that you're getting? You know, it's wonderful. So this this documentary, while I'm homegrown right here and Douglas County is, you know, Ground Zero 2.0 right after Loudoun County in Virginia. This is a nationwide movie. We spent last summer traveling the entire country over 100 hours of footage, over 80 interviews from experts, parents, um, even some brave students and, and caring teachers who are not happy with what they're being forced to teach. So we did this all over the all over the entire country. So uh, the release of the film, Whose Children Are They, is a nationwide release through Fathom Events. Yes. And so it's in over 750 theaters around the country. And we're just blessed beyond belief because really it's going to be the parents joining with good teachers and concerned citizens to stand up and say, enough. We are the ultimate authority in our children's lives. And I promise you, Gina, when they see what's been being hidden from them, we will, this will never happen again. It, it, this is going to be the turning point, I believe. So probably the best place to get information about this project is whosechildrenarethey.com because there you can get tickets, group tickets. One of the things, Deb Flora, that I found out about this project, you can correct me if I'm wrong, obviously it's going to be playing on March 14th. It has an exclusive one-day theater open but there's also opportunities for groups, even churches, mm-hmm. to purchase perhaps um, the right to show this to their own congregation. Is there a way to find out about that at whosechildrenarethey.com? Yes, yes, there is. Thank you so much, Gina, for bringing that up. Indeed. I mean, this is a grassroots. I mean, we, you know, by the way, you don't make a documentary because you want to get rich. You do it because you care. And so we're so blessed that there is an opportunity for group sales, for churches, as well as the, the one night in the theaters on March 14th. And so there is a link on the website, whosechildrenarethey.com, where churches can find out how to show it. And I would just say this, though. I do want people to know when you show it in your church, This is not for children. In fact, we have a disclaimer that this film would be R-rated simply because of what they're showing the children in the classrooms, not because of anything else. So that's the thing that I do want people to realize. I think churches need to show it. Christians need to see it. But I do want to give that caveat. This is not for your children, although it's what they're showing them in school without your knowledge. But there's a there's. No, no. What I was going to say is obviously you talked about the hundreds of hours that you put in this. How did you make the agonizing decision of what do I leave out? And is there going to be a part two? Oh, my goodness. You are so right, Gino. This could have been a mini series and it might end up being one. Uh And that unenviable task fell even more to my husband, Jonathan, who is the, uh, the director. And many people may not know, but Jonathan was a producer at Walt Disney Studios. And, you know, despite doing things with Star Wars and Marvel and all of those franchises, this is one of the things he thinks we all agree is one of the most meaningful projects that we have. But it really was like handing him a huge block of marble and then saying to Michelangelo, find the the David inside. And that was the hardest part because for every story we showed, there are hundreds like it around the this country. the country and each one of these we we did a comprehensive overview so it's not just sex education it's crt it's anti-discipline policy it's the violence in schools it's the history of what's going on and really the through line of how the unions who are not for teachers or children or parents 
how they really have partnered with uh, some majorly radical indoctrination groups to push us into our schools. But, you know, it was hard to cut it down. And, uh, you know, it's it's just supposed to be the beginning of the conversation. And each one of those stories could be a documentary in and of itself. Yeah. One of the things that you seem to be focusing on isn't a mass exit from the public uh, school system, but rather a mass exit on the part of teachers to break the stronghold of the union. Um, how do you, how do parents and how do you communicate? How, how do we strike that balance of at what point do parents say, we're, we're done here, I'm leaving the public school system versus, well, we've got 30 seconds, so Deb Floor. Can you stay with me just a little bit longer? You better believe it. we'll answer that very important question when we come back, Gina. Well, yeah, you understand where I'm going with that question because mm-hmm. obviously this is something that affects every single uh, parent who, who has children in public, public education. But again, my guest is uh, Deb Flora. We're talking about a documentary. It's going to have a nationwide release for one day only on March 14th. It's entitled Whose Children Are They? W-H-O-S-E Children Are They dot com. All one word. Go to Whose Children Are They dot com. You can get tickets, group tickets. It'll tell you about the cast and share tools, all kinds of uh Information for updates, this is Gino Geraci. I'll be right back with Deb Flora. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. My guest, Deb Flora, we're, we're talking about her documentary project, Whose Children Are They? And you can find out all of the information at whosechildrenarethey.com. But Deb Flora, before we went to the break, uh, you know, you were talking about the massive amount of information, this, um, the, the, the amount, the brave teachers, the empowered parents, the frontline experts, you go through, through, you know, you're, you're boiling this down. And I, I, I want to remind everybody that the documentary itself is a little over two hours, but in this documentary, you talk a little bit about a mass exit um, mm-hmm. A union exit where where there's a growing gr- group of even teachers who are dissatisfied with this. Uh, dare I use the term? Uh, it's 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 a it's an ideological worldview that isn't interested in education anymore, but rather indoctrination and socialization Absolutely. towards a worldview. And parents are becoming more and more sh- not just annoyed, but shocked. Mm-hmm. And and resolve that we this has got to stop. Yes, without a doubt. And and you you make a great point, uh, you know, because it's not just one answer to this problem. I mean, the number one answer is parents rising up, standing up, partnering with other citizens, grandparents, teachers to say, enough already. Our children do not belong to the state. You do not have the right to indoctrinate them about everything uh, from their gender identity to how they see race to any their worldview. But the the answer to the problem, once people rise up and wake up, is multiple. It's first of all, if you're in the public school system, elect a school board that does not is not answerable to the teachers union because the teachers union really is manipulating all of this behind the scenes. 
If you can, take your children out because the tax dollars will follow and leave. Um, it's pushing, pushing for um, legislation where the funds follow the student, not the system. So that's a legislative answer to it. Uh, curriculum transparency legislation, parental rights legislation. It's also for the teachers, as you mentioned. Many of them are bullied and are uh, there's a fear factor, and they're told by their unions they'll lose their job or it's the only insurance they can have. There's a lot of other options there that they can have without being bullied by the union to teach things that are antithetical perhaps to their own values. We need to look at our our teaching colleges because a lot of teachers are being indoctrinated to turn around and indoctrinate again. So it's a multiple level. But I believe that we need to do all of them. Not every parent can pull their child from public schools. And even those who maybe don't think there's a problem we still need to care for those other children that are innocent and sweet and do not need to have their minds filled with indoctrination versus education. So it's a multiple front answer, but it all starts with dragging it all into the light and being engaged and activated. And I would say every parent's going to know what's best for their own child, you know, as far as where's the best education place for them. But we, this is our opportunity to shake it all up and get education back to what it was originally intended to be, not what it has become. And again, if you want to know where it's playing at your local theater outlet, go to whosechildrenarethey.com. Ninety years ago, Deb Flora, the Supreme Court said, and I'm quoting, the child is not the mere creature of the state. Those who nurture him and direct his destiny have the right, coupled with the high duty, to recognize and prepare him for additional obligations. Forty mm-hmm. years after that, the court said, quote, the primary role of the parent in the upbringing of their children is now established beyond debate as an enduring American tradition. And then it all fell apart in the year 2000 with with uh, the Troxel versus Granville um, um, citing where there were six separate opinions and Justice Scalia held that parents have no constitutionally protected rights whatsoever. Only Justice Thomas clearly stated that no, no, no. Parental rights receive receive the same high legal standard of protection as other fundamental rights. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that we're having this conversation, but we have to have it. We do. And, and the only reason why it wasn't written in the Constitution is because no one in the history of mankind or our founding fathers who put together our documents ever thought parental rights would even be in question. I mean, they didn't even think they needed to protect them because it was so fundamental and intrinsic to how we are created to be. And so that's why we're having to have this now. And it's it's the time to stand up and reestablish that. And, you know, it's, it's a very important time. That's why we actually have the title, Whose Children Are They? Because the Marxist view is what Karl Marx says, from the moment a child can be without the care of their mother, they will be in state institutions. And that's not the Judeo-Christian view upon which our country was founded. So, um, you know, it's time for us to stand up and say, you know what, it, it wasn't in the Constitution because nobody thought it ever would have had to be. Um, and, and I believe that this is going to be the turning point, not just for education, but for our country. Because there are parents getting involved in ways they never have before. It's literally like awakening the sleeping giant. Because I tell you, I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, you're a mom and a dad first, and you realize the government has gone too far. The state does not own our children. Now, obviously, people can get a little sneak peek at whose children are they 
uh, at, by just simply Googling it. There, I know there's a trailer that's been posted online. Uh, but let mm-hmm. me ask you the million-dollar question. Obviously, here's this labor of love and and uh, and. And an outrage. An outrage. <laughs> Your husband does the, the the very hard job of editing. What kind of now? Obviously, some of your your friends have had sneak peeks at whose children mm-hmm. are they? What what have been some of the surprising responses you've been getting from men and women, parents and grandchildren, teachers who who you've given a little sneak peek? What kind of a feedback have you gotten? You know, they're shocked because parents and you know, citizens, parents especially, have been so busy. They've just been, you know, living their lives, working jobs, taking their kids where they need to be. And no one would imagine the things that are being taught. I think the most shocking part of the of the documentary is actually the sex education part. And we do mm-hmm. put a disclaimer up saying this is for mature audiences only, and yet it's what they're teaching your children. And I think, you know, we, we actually just tell people, I'm so sorry you have to see this, but it's kind of like abortion. If you don't really know what's going on, you won't be motivated to protect the innocent. And so when people see that and they hear things like, you know, schools are exempt from obscenity laws, uh, that, that, you know, gender fluidity is not a part of sex education, which is why they don't even have to tell parents when it's happening. And I think the thing that people are the most, uh, that, that, that they, that really hits them the most is we have made this a comprehensive expose because a lot of times we see a headline and, oh, it's about CRT or another headline somewhere else in the country and it's about anti-discipline. Another headline, it's about sex education. What we have done is connected the dots so everyone can see where this began, what the through line is, and therefore simplify what is the action that we need to take. And I do know one thing I want to share is the premiere is March 14th nationwide in theaters. This movie is going to have a long life. It will go to streaming. It will go to DVD because our goal is for every parent, every grandparent, every concerned citizen to see this to make sure we never, ever let this happen again to our children. Again, you can go to whosechildrenarethey.com. There you'll find some buttons. It'll be a big red button. Find theaters and showtimes. Watch (laughs) the official trailer. Bring it to my church. It's impossible to miss. And Deb Flora, congratulations. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Well, we've been standing on this front together, and uh, this is just one more tool that we are providing to those who are awake and aware to help bring others along. So I really appreciate it. Well, again, you know, we talked about some of the frustration that we've had with the legislation to clear up the, the confusion. It, it, it sounds to me like this film is going to be the salvo that's going to shake people by their shoulders and just say, wake mm-hmm. up, wake up, wake up. Yes. And, you know, and thank you. And for those who are listening who are awake, all we've wanted to do is provide a tool. And I encourage people, bring your neighbor, bring your friend, bring your fellow teacher, bring other people to watch this that maybe aren't aware. Because the biggest thing we need to remember is we are the majority. You know, for every child, there are parents, and that's a lot larger group than the administrators and those who want to indoctrinate our children. So we are in the majority. We just have to wake up. Thanks, Deborah Flora. Whosechildrenarethey.com. Hope to see you soon. Thank you, Gina. You as well. I appreciate it. 
Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's a sort of a free-for-all Friday. If you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. 303-873-1935. You know my interview with Deb Flora and uh, the project that she's working on is so important. I'm hoping that uh, we might be able to uh, rebroadcast that in the not-too-distant future. But um, if you'd like to join me on the program with your calls, we're taking your calls, answering your questions about God, the historical Jesus, the Bible, current events, uh, 303-873-1935. I know that with what's unfolding in Russia and the Ukraine, it has um, once again awakened many people's um, thoughts and ideas about the end times. And of course, we know the Bible says, you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you like a thief, for you're the sons of light and the sons of day. We're not of night or darkness, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. You know, the Bible basically gives us signs to watch for, signs that will signal that Jesus is coming back. And the writer of Hebrews, uh, the letter to Hebrews, refers to these signs when he proclaims that believers should encourage one another when they see the day of judgment drawing near in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 through 27. So again, as you see frequency, intensity beginning to take place, Jesus also referred to the end times in his Olivet Discourse, which was given, well, the last week of his life in Matthew chapter 24 and Luke chapter 21. And speaking of a whole series of signs which he'd given to his disciples, he said, when you see all these things, recognize that he, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, is near even at the door, it says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 33. So again, if you'd like to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935, 303-873-1935. Producer Jim, standing by, ready to take your call, 303-873-1935. Just a quick recap of some of the stuff going on. Russian forces, many of you know, seized Europe's biggest nuclear power plant and threatened more cities in southern Ukraine. And, of course, last night, the whole world watched, wondering, are we going to see another Chernobyl-type event? And, again, as this war unfolds the the twists and the plot the plot the twists the plots the turns um are pretty alarming and hundreds of women and children waited in kiev to board trains bound for poland and again we've talked about how just in the last uh, 8 days more than a million refugees half of those have fled into poland just since we um, started broadcasting a, a week ago on Thursday. Russia, by the way, in the last uh, few hours, has literally blocked Facebook inside their country and stepped up moves to stifle dissent. So Russia is working, working, working hard 
to make sure that there are no other narratives being disseminated to the people of Russia. So again, I know that there's a gigantic uh, Russian-speaking population in the front range. We have literally, dare I use the term, scores and scores and scores of Russian and Ukrainian listeners. And so our prayers, our thoughts are with you and with your families and I'm hoping and praying that you're able to get some of this information to your loved ones. And so, again, Russia has blocked um, certain social media outlets and then stepped up um, protocols to make sure that people are getting not more and more information, but less and less. And, of course, NATO has rejected Ukraine's pleas for a no-fly zone over its airspace all people have repeatedly said that a, a, a flyover zone um, is going to initiate a war. So now you have that other, that other conversation. How do we prevent the terrible things that are unfolding from happening, but at the same time not initiate World War III? How does that happen? And again, a number of different outlets are showing Russian troops, um, literally the troop movement as they're pushing into Ukraine. So lots to talk about. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And that nuclear power plant that was in the southern part of Ukraine um, Again, it set off a worldwide alarm, but international monitors said that there was no immediate sign of increased radiation levels, which is good. That plant in the southern city of, it's called Enerhodar, is Europe's biggest atomic energy complex. And um, again, the Russian defense ministry said that the forces, that Russian forces had had take well the Russian defense ministry said its forces had taken control of the f- facility to foil what they called a monstrous provocation by Ukrainian troops and last week the ministry said the paratroopers had seized the former plant of Chernobyl which was again the site of the 1986 nuclear disaster and the United Nations Security Council held an emergency meeting today to discuss the incident and the the general director of the International Atomic Energy Agency, Rafael Grossi, told the council that the fighting was putting Ukraine's nuclear facilities at risk. But again, huh, the United Nations continues to be kind of a worthless place as far as affecting any significant changes. And again, if you'd like to join me on the program, the number's 303 873-1935. Over the last couple of days, we've been talking about some of the intelligence reports uh, concerning that psychological profile, that personality profile of what may or may not happen next. And of course, the intelligence communities all around the world, and particularly in the United States of America, have spent literally thousands of man hours trying to uh, make sense of what might be the Russian president's next move. 
873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. And um, there are a couple of headlines that we might get to, but absolutely happy to hear from you, 303-873-1935. In recent uh, Situation Room meetings, the, the conversation has focused, according to one White House senior official, on what they're calling the cornered Putin problem. And the concern is that the avalanche of sanctions directed at Moscow will have a much more effective result than anyone expected. So there is that sort of tentative, um, dare I use the term, reticence and capitulation. There's a growing group of people who are quite literally afraid that Putin might lash out. And again, this would mean that he might step up indiscriminate attacks against civilians. He might reinvigor the cyber attacks against Western targets, even nuclear threats beyond Ukraine. And so, again, American intelligence officials have told the White House and the Congress that um, that this president might feel trapped by his own overreach. And so, again, it's so difficult to make good decisions in these difficult times. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Okay, welcome back on this free-for-all Friday. If you'd like to join me, it's 303-873-1935. Would love to take your call. And again, um, it's pretty difficult to just avoid what's going on in this great big world, but happy to take your calls about the Bible, happy to take your questions about specific verses in the Bible. And, you know, I was talking a little bit about... um, this growing, growing preoccupation with end times. And again, I remember reading a story about an older gentleman who had been involved in um, eschatology and, you know, the, the end times stuff. And he was asked that question about... Um, about what to look for. And he said, he began his presentation. He said, 60 years ago, when I first started preaching, you had to scratch around like a chicken to find one sign of the Lord's return. And then he said, but today there are so many signs. I'm no longer looking for them. Instead, I'm listening for a sound. He's not looking for a sign. He's looking for a sound the sound of a trumpet, and I thought, that's very clever. 303-873-1935. One of the things I didn't talk about was yesterday, March 3rd, marked my born-again anniversary. I came to a saving knowledge of the truth, March 3rd, 1973. Fast forward to March 3rd, that was yesterday, 2022. So I'm beginning my 49th year 
as a follower of Jesus. And of course, happy to uh, talk about what that means, what it means to be born again. But back to this issue of what's going on in the great big world, um, there's several people um, who are following closely what's going on. My friend Jim Dennison, my friend Joel Rosenberg, and even United States officials, analysts, people who are watching the situation in the Ukraine and Russia very closely, they're signaling that there doesn't seem to be a clear off-ramp for Putin, uh, short of declaring a ceasefire or pulling back his forces, steps that he has not shown any interest in. Um, and a senior State Department official argued that the administration's um, approach doesn't allow possible outs for the Russian leader. So a, a growing group of people are saying, how can you get him off this off-ramp and quote-unquote save face? So again, many people have misunderstood and suggested that that's capitulating or kowtowing to a dictator. But again, you have to be creative when you're talking about avoiding World War III. Let's see who's up. Bob, Welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Hi. You know, I just had a question on the end times. With, uh-huh. You know, I, I heard I heard something the other day that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, from a, it was a group of younger Christian Jews, and they were kind of making the case that you know that ninety nine percent of the Jewish faith does not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Correct. I, w- I would say it's 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 probably not ninety nine percent anymore. There's a just like more Muslims are coming to Christ than ever before. I'm going to suggest to you that there that we might edge it down to about ninety eight or ninety seven percent. Yeah, you know what was interesting though that uh, you know we talked about maybe when will Jesus return? You know they made a comment about Luke thirteen thirty five saying that you know I will not return until. Uh, you say, blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and call me, you know, by name. So I don't know, you know, if that indicates that, hey, you know, I mean, there's a there's a ways to go before the end times might come, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's good arguments that that, um, that that might be the case. In other words, are we looking at, quote-unquote, Two years, five years, ten years, a hundred years. But in Luke 13.35, when Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I would have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you weren't willing. Another translation says, you were unwilling. Look, your house is left to you desolate, and I tell you that you will not see me again until you say, say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What's happening in that passage is they're making, Jesus is making reference to the fact that when he does return, it's going to be under catastrophic circumstances. So remember, he comes as the Savior, but now he's going to come as the judge. And so you're right. How do we think about this 
blindness that Paul talks about that's happened to Israel in the book of Romans. But even Paul argues that that blindness isn't going to continue forever, that there is going to come a point where the scales are going to drop and more and more Jews are going to come to the realization that Jesus is, in fact, the Jewish Messiah. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. I think this is, you know, I think there, it was interesting to note, uh, you know, they can't really get into the synagogues, this young young group that's trying to, you know, uh, maybe uh, educate the younger generation, even some of the older generation. But it was interesting to note that, you know, uh, Israel's number one in the world for the use of social media, too. So Isn't that interesting? Headway. Yeah. Yeah, so they're making headway there, it sounds like. But I thought, well, that was interesting that, you know, if there's that many, if it is 98 or 95 percent, boy, they've got a long ways to go before maybe the good Lord would return, you know. But I, I see your point as well. Yeah, I, I think that the, the the way that I would answer your question is when we ask and answer that question, why, why, what is it? Why why do the Jews reject their Messiah? Now, obviously, remember, Paul was a reluctant convert. And um, the Jews believed that the Messiah, the, the prophet that Moses spoke about, would come and deliver them from Roman bondage. So even modern Jews have said Jesus failed in his mission. According to God and and the Tanakh and and and, and the writings and the commentaries in the, in the Talmud that the that the Messiah was supposed to deliver them from political oppression, and so Paul notes he tells the church that that blindness of Israel he he uses the term mystery, which doesn't typically mean in the Bible what you and I think, you know, when we think of a murder mystery, we think of a whodunit or something that is unresolved. But in the Bible, it means something that was previously hidden that has now been revealed. And so in Romans 9 through 11, he talks about how Israel had been the one nation that looked to God while the Gentiles generally rejected the revelation of God. Right. And, and, and it's inter- interesting so, to me to note, too, that how, you know, how he is there, you know, Israel is the cha- his chosen nation and chosen people there. But why, you know, and if you look at look at some of the things that have happened to Israel over the years, you know, no nation has really ever been able to come against them. So you, you have to believe and I would think they would believe that they really are under the protection of God, you know. Well, and I, I, I think that there's good evidence of what you're saying, and that by that what I would mean is <laughs> the survival of the Jewish people. The survival of the Jewish people is a miracle. It's a miracle yeah. story in and of itself. Hey, I got to go, but thank you for your call. Yep. Yeah, take care, Gina. Good job. Thanks. Hey, be back. 303-873-1935. Taking your calls, answering your questions. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.